what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> what the actual fuck did I just watch? Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. Clearly, I'm going to have to add George Niang to that uh, to that intro per this game tonight. Wow. Wow. Just amazing, amazing stuff tonight, man. I'm, I had this whole script written out about what I would like to talk about tonight, about different topics I'd touch on, but this game, she's just, just, just flabbergasted me in regards to the amount of emotions that I was going through in this game. It's just, it, it was astounding. And I mean that in a good way. This was such a fun game to watch, man. Cavs took on the Milwaukee Bucks for the second time this season. And this is a team, honestly, that the, the Cavs are going to have to really get used to seeing a lot, right? They they literally have them on the schedule three times, uh, including tonight, over the course of the next two weeks. And if Cleveland has title aspirations, this is a team that they're going to have to go through in the process, right? Luckily, Giannis wasn't available, at least for tonight's game, right? Uh, you may recall Giannis in his last game against the Cavs, he he kind of lit it up. He put a lot of shit in the stat sheet, 34 points, 16 rebounds, and five assists in a Cavs loss, albeit without the services of all-world defender Evan Mobley. And while Mobley remained out in this matchup, not having to deal with the juggernaut that is the Greek freak, that definitely helps, especially if you bet on this one. I hope you guys did. I hope you bet Cavs. I really hope you did. Uh, Y'all know the tail of the tape for this Cavs team. They entered uh, this one hot off the heels of their longest winning streak of the season at five games. Make that six now, if I'm not mistaken, and have gone on to win the last 11 out of the last 14 games. They are now 11-3 and three since the combined absences of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. <sighs> Man. Prior to tonight, that happened to be tied for the second best record in the NBA during that stretch, just behind the red hot Denver Nuggets. And they've gotten contributions from up and down the lineup in the process. So we've not only seen big games from Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen, but now Karis LeVert, Sam Merrill, Dean Wade. And tonight, George Niang of all fucking people, man, just just a brilliant, brilliant performance. As many of you people are down here stating that Okoro locked Dame down. Yes, man, just just shut him out of the game entirely. He had to be removed, right? He had to be removed from the game early. They just basically threw in the towel and couldn't blame him. It got ugly. Cavs won by the score of 135 to 95. I was not expecting this type of explosive offense. Um, I, I I felt confident heading in, especially with the knowledge that Giannis was going to be out. But I did not see a forty fucking point win. I don't know if you guys did either. I thought you were lying if you did. <laughs> if you say you did, I know you lying. Uh, but yes, Dame Lillard just seventeen points on the night. Best part about that was he was just seven of twenty from the field, including one of five from three point range. They absolutely clamped down on this. Bucks team, man. Uh, just absolutely clamped Dame. Zachary said <laughs> says that they still have Dame. Yeah, well, Dame was a no-show tonight for the most part, Zachary. Uh, absolutely loved it. Only two Bucks starters scored in double figures tonight. That was Dame and Brooke Lopez, who just contributed 11 points. Everybody else was just kind of sucking ass out there for them. 
you know, they're, they're going to do some things, uh, you know, when if you let things play out a certain way. But with no no Giannis out there, it just they didn't have enough. Right. Typically, Giannis can power them through and, and make games competitive, even if they're down by a large margin. But with no Giannis out there to be able to kind of steady and right the ship, it just wasn't going well for them. You could tell that shit was just going awry when George Niang had 20, which is now a career best for him in any given half. That is his best half of basketball. And I believe this might be his career high. Just phenomenal performance, man. Just I can't believe it. I, I am literally at a loss for words. I just I don't know how to feel right now because obviously Giannis wasn't in the game. And you have to take that with you have to take this victory with a grain of salt, obviously, but uh, still feels good. And by the way, yes, this is a career high from George Niang. Uh, just couldn't have come at a better time. Just could not have come at a better time. Uh, Jose A says ice held Dame to O of 10 in their matchups. Shady says Dame was terrible. Yeah. And remember, keep in mind. Keep in mind, this is coming right after Dame hit that game winner over the, uh, I believe the Sacramento Kings, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a buzzer beater as well. So we know what he is fully capable of. When you're really looking at a guy like Damian Lillard, who came into tonight averaging 25.2 points, 4.4 boards, and 6.8 assists. Now, kind of a down year from an efficiency standpoint. He is just knocking down 42.9% of his shots. But he is an impact player of the highest order and not somebody you usually can typically stop. He usually gets his, right? You just have to do your best to kind of contain him uh, Contain him nine times out of ten. Luckily, the Cavs have one of the better guard defenders in the league in Isaac Okoro who continues to draw that start because of the Darius Garland injury. Now, here's the thing. Prior to tonight, in the four career matchups between the two, Lillard yeah, Lillard was 11 of 20 when being defended by Coral. That's not exactly stopping him in his tracks, but if you take away the rookie season matchups from the uh from the from the stats, Lillard has mostly been shut down just as he was tonight. Uh last two games prior to tonight, Okoro had held Lillard to 5 of 13 uh in the last two outings. Just absolutely loved it. JQuest says Niang was playing in his driveway. <laughs> I love it, man. Just absolutely shooting with no conscience out there. 33 points on 13 of 14 from the field, including five of six from three-point range. Now, this is the thing about George Niang, right? When he was signed, I remember a lot of people just kind of, you know, not feeling kind of indifferent about this signing yet, despite the fact that the man had come off of five straight seasons, five fucking seasons of shooting 40%, uh, 40% or better from three point distance. I, and I couldn't understand why people were so just beside themselves about this signing or thinking that it just wouldn't be worth it or, you know, just uh, an overpay things that I saw a lot of varying Opinions. Now, I did see some good ones, right? Obviously, there were a there were a subset of people who felt good about his signing, but if tonight is any like example for those people who did not like that signing, I just hope that he has swayed your opinion because that was exactly why you brought him in. Seriously, that is exactly why you brought him in. And again, he's not going to shoot. You know, he's not going to miss just one shot every single game. He's not going to go 13 to 14 every single game, but uh, 
That is exactly why you brought him in. And, you know, love him or hate him, Yang has given the Cavs some really, really dependable offense lately off that bench. Prior to tonight, over his last 10 games, he was averaging 10.3 points and shooting 37.7 from uh, three-point distance. And he gives the Cavs a floor-spacing presence at that power forward position. And while he doesn't rebound the ball the way that Kevin Love, you know, did when he was here, but I will add that he is averaging a career high in that category. He is shooting about as good as you could ask for. Now, that, that's really just the end of the story. Seriously, just the end of the story. Niang was really the star of the game. And in a game that was basically billed as Dame versus Mitchell after the absence of Giannis was announced. But uh, obviously, Niang stole the show. But this it wasn't just George out there, man. That's the crazy part. Isaac Okoro out there looking like a, uh, looking like a point guard, dishing out seven assists. Tied uh, Donovan Mitchell out there for that in that regard. Jared Allen finishing with his 10th, yes, 10th double-double in a row. That is by far the best streak of his career. If they don't all-star this man, I don't know what I, – I, I'm going to explode. He deserves to be on that all-star team. I get it. They need to expand the all-star roster. They need to expand the amount of players that they allow in, honestly. I would love to see that happen because there's so many deserving candidates every single year. Uh, Ultra, Ultra Aporia. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Jaws mid-range jumpers, though. Yeah, you could tell Jaw was clearly just fucking around at one point. He took that long two. Uh, I, I believe it was in the third quarter. At that point, the game was well out of hand. I for a minute there, I thought Jaw was going to end up taking a three-pointer, which I would have also loved to see as well. But yeah. That mid-range, that mid-range shot, he's got it. I put out some content on that recently. I put a whole reel together of every single one of his uh, mid-range jumpers this season, and clearly he can take that shot. It, it's in his arsenal. It's in his bag, but it's not something that is always in the flow of the game. I think the Cavs would probably like him to take it more uh, when it's available. Same with Mobley, right? When that shot is available, take it. Because if you can't space the floor from three-point distance, being able to space the floor from the mid-range area is probably the next best thing. Um, so whenever they have that, I hope they continue to do that. Just just wonderful, man. Shady says they need to stop playing the same players every year. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically what the All-Star game has turned into, right? It's, it's a popularity contest. It's usually the same guys every fucking year. You know LeBron's issue in. Kevin Durant, just guys with a lot of name value are, are typically who make it in. Now, that's not to say that guys who aren't deserving also don't get voted in, but uh, typically it's it's all about popularity uh, these days. And maybe that's all it's ever been, but uh, there it definitely will piss me off if the the fans are seeing what Jared Allen is doing and don't get him in. They got to find a way to get this man in. Things that I loved from this game. Well, got to say this. Nobody on this Cavaliers team played more than 27 minutes tonight. Do you love that? Uh, Cavs get much needed rest, right? The the minute leader tonight, believe it or not, was Niang himself. Played just 27 minutes. Scored 33 in those 27 minutes. That is followed by Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro, and Jared Allen, who each played 26 minutes apiece. Anytime you can get the starters with below 30 minutes, especially, especially Donovan Mitchell, that's wonderful. 
And coming against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, granted, again, it's without Giannis, so you have to throw that caveat in there. But man, what is a was it a wonderful sight to see these guys just go out there and shellack the Bucks and exit early and get everybody involved? And honestly, I thought we might see Pete Nance tonight. Obviously, that did not happen. But who did we see? We got to see some Craig Porter Jr. minutes. He played 20 tonight, and I'm not quite sure how much he would have played had this been a tightly contested game. But I will say this. Tonight, when you don't have a, a, a Giannis out there, when you still are without the services of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, JB just has to find ways to get this kid on the court. Seriously. Uh, Shady says, do you feel that Amani should play a game similar to where we're in such a big lead? Um, Yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated for me because you can only dress so many, right? You can only dress so many players. And one of the guys that we're counting on to see some of this time now, especially in blowouts, is Craig Porter Jr. And I would say the most difficult part of all of this has been the recent emergence of Sam Merrill. If Sam Merrill didn't come out the gate shooting like he, like he has been, and he did it again tonight, man, four of eight from the field, uh, two or six from three-point range, 10 points off that Cavalier bench. If Sam Merrill didn't just explode onto the scene, you would probably see Amani Bates getting more opportunities and getting more run. But due to that occurring, due to, um, in addition to the fact that Karis LeVert is playing very, very well, in addition to the fact that Craig Porter Jr. is also vying for those end-of-rotation minutes, it's hard to really do. Like, I, I want him to be able to go out there when we have a big lead, but the Cavs are trying to balance. I think they're trying to walk the, the fine line between knowing when to have him up with the big league club and when to have him with the charge because you only get 50 games, right? And obviously, we're not even at the all-star break yet. The Cavs are likely to... Um, they're likely to convert Craig Porter Jr., which I think we all hope happens, right? Especially with the the retirement of Ricky Rubio and the roster spot that was open and then taken again by Pete Nance, which you know we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I think that if they don't end up making a move by the deadline, they will likely end up converting Craig Porter Jr. and then likely giving that extra two-way that Porter releases to Nance. I hope that happens. A lot has to occur before that becomes the case, right? Nance has to impress, probably ends up signing another 10-day contract. And then um, if he if he fares well or if the Cavs like what they're getting from him, then they'll probably hand him that two-way. I can see that possibly occurring. But in regards to Imani, it's just tough, man. I, I've always said this. I feel like he has the skill set at this point in time to be a knockdown shooter, um, a catch-and-shoot specialist at the very least. But with the charge, he's getting a ton of volume. And I just don't think that would be the case with the Cavs. And if you don't have any other discernible skills or NBA level skills just yet, you're probably not going to see time over the guys who are already there. And then when you're talking about these in the game scenarios where there's a huge lead, um, you want that to be the case. But keep in mind, we can only dress so many guys. Shady also says, what moves at the deadline would you think we should take? Um, I know there's some chatter reg regarding Royce O'Neal, right? And I believe DeAndre Hunter. Um, I think that was reported today. But I don't know, man. 
part of me wants to see this Cavs team just not really make any moves if it's not something that's bringing in a a a true three and D wing out there at the starter, uh, the starting three, which I just don't think is going to be the case. I feel like anything that the Cavs would have to, the Cavs are not going to be able to acquire that type of player without sacrificing significantly. And I just don't think it will be worth it. Nor do I think there are any guys out there that are truly available for what the Cavs have to offer. That's first and foremost. I just, I don't think we can compete with some of these other offers. Like, I, I know that uh, for some of these guys out there, they're asking prices like two or three first round picks and maybe a rotation player as well. And I just don't think Cleveland, for one, we don't have that to offer. And for two, I just don't think we would want to. So I preferably, I would think they would stay put. At least I hope they do. Um, I think the biggest thing that this team can do is just simply get healthy, right? get healthy, get Darius Garland back, which, you know, he got the wire removed from the jaw and he's resumed basketball activities. And, you know, it's going to take him, you know, a week or two to get back into playing shape, but we could see him back very soon. And then Evan Mobley should follow. So I think the biggest thing that we can do at this point in time, just get healthy. I don't think we, a, a move is not necessarily, uh, it's not necessary, but it's not exactly something that you shy away from if something's there. And and Kobe Altman has been very good at that. When there is something available, he'll sniff it out and he'll make a move on it. He'll jump on it. We've seen him do it in the past. That's exactly how he acquired Jared Allen and Torin Prince um, a couple of years ago, right? He hopped into that Nets trade and he's done a couple other things in the past, whether that be shipping Rubio out for Karis LeVert. Um, and I get last trade deadline you know that time frame people are just absolutely hating kobe Altman because he stood pat and the only real move he made around that time was in the buyout market when he signed danny green um who i i had were really had hoped would have gotten more play time when he when he got signed but unfortunately we know how that worked out this season i don't know um Last year, there was a ton of guys who went for second-round picks. Uh, Jay Crowder, who had been out of the lineup for a while, returned tonight against the Cavs. He was one of those guys. Milwaukee got him for, I think it was four or five second-round picks last year. We could see some shit like that this year, but I just I don't think it would be worth it for the Cavs. I just don't think you're going to get the type of player that uh, would crack the rotation um, uh, for, for what you have to offer. <laughs> tune in says do whatever it takes to keep my guy spider yeah i mean i'm with i'm with you man guy doesn't have a player option until 2025 26 um realistically though if he doesn't give a commitment this offseason i could probably see the Cavs maybe testing the water seeing what he could be available for but uh, that's a long time away i'm not gonna not gonna worry about that just yet but i too hope that they do whatever it takes to keep him but the question is what is that, right? For me, I don't think it's a trade. I simply believe it's winning, right? If the Cavs can get into this postseason like we all believe they will, and they can, and they win a, a series, and then they either win another series after that or make a very competitive series in the second round against a contender, let's say these, these same Milwaukee Bucks that we see tonight or the Boston Celtics in round two, you take that series to six or seven games, I think that would possibly... That would probably be enough to keep Mitchell or to sell him on the idea of growth because, you know, after last postseason's just obliteration of Cleveland, I 
anything like that, which should be considered success. If you win, if you win in round one and then you either win round two or get close to a win in round two, I think that's enough to sell him on the long-term outlook of this team, especially with the, the core players being so young. Like Darius Garland is still very young. Evan Mobley is still very young yet to has um, yet to have really ascended or hit his peak. Um, Isaac Okoro, I don't know if you want to lump him in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Dr. Claw. Um, I don't know if you want to lump him in there, but you know, he's, he's shown development as well. And so this team is certainly one that Donovan could grow with. And I hope that he sees that. And I hope that the Cavs are able to make him understand that this is one of the best situations for him. Um, the, with, with New York trading for OG and, uh, you know, some of these other ancillary moves being made, we just saw Pascal Siakam getting to Indiana today. Um, I think some of these, some of these places that could possibly have been destinations for Donovan and just not there. And then, you know, you look at Brooklyn, I don't think that's really some place that he would want to go. Um, and I really think the only option or at least opposition in that regard, may be the Miami heat. And I just don't see that happening either. I far be it for me. I don't know though. I, I don't know the future. All I can say is I feel like this Cavs team has the right makeup and I feel like they have, um, I feel like they have what it takes to convince him to stay, but it's all going to come down to winning, and it all comes down to the postseason. This team is no longer being judged on regular season success. The same thing as JB, right? Um, as big as big as an advocate of JB as I am, um, I can recognize the fact that it's no longer about the regular season, and I'm sure Donovan Mitchell feels the same way. It's about the playoffs because this team should make the playoffs. Healthy or not, they should have enough. They should have what it takes to make it to the playoffs. It's just all about how you uh, how you perform in the playoffs. And some of that is on Donovan, right? Because Donovan did wilt against the uh, against the Knicks. There's no way around it. It's not just uh, it wasn't just Jared Allen. It wasn't just Darius Garland. It wasn't just Isaac Okoro or um, uh, you know that they didn't play too well in that series. Donovan Mitchell had a part in that as well. And he has to be able to step up in those big moments as well. The one thing that I can say is that um, throughout the regular season, he has kind of ramped up his level of play and he looks motivated, especially in the absence of Evan Mobley and Donovan Mitchell, uh, not Donovan Mitchell and uh, Darius Garland. Uh, Donnie has actually scored 30 or more points in each of his last three games. And I, I have to believe he loves playing on prime time or, you know, in, in the bright lights now, because every single time the Cavs have a nationally televised game, it seems this, this motherfucker is going off. So I, I love it. <laughs> um, somebody's going off anytime they're on national TV, but tonight, man, just, just, a a fun, fun game. I didn't, I didn't go into tonight expecting to see a George Niang masterclass, uh, 33 point game where he's just drilling shots left and right and just breaking the spirits of the bucks. Hence the title as Dr. Claw says down here of the, uh, of the podcast, <sighs> big buck hunting. <laughs> I don't know if it still qualifies as that because Giannis isn't out there, but I'll take my shot. Damn it. Because this was just a fun ass game, just just something that that made my day, man. I, because so many people have prior to <laughs> 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 
Tune in says drug test Niang. I'm sure there'll be one heading his way. It always seems like it happens that way where a guy unexpectedly goes off. Uh, but again, Niang's actually, despite the defensive issues, and I get it, like there are some games where I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing um, on the defensive end? Or sometimes just taking some shots that are unnecessary for him. Uh, you guys have probably heard me say a million times this season already that I hate whenever Niang drives the basketball because a lot of the times, especially earlier on in the season, it resulted in a miss, in an ugly miss at that. Uh, but I live with it, and I live with it because of what he provides, and that is spacing. That is something this Cavs team needed in abundance um, coming into the offseason, and they got it, right? They got it off that Cavalier bench, and and obviously Niang is a big proponent of that. Sam Merrill being able to have him explode onto the scene the way that he has, he's another proponent of that. Karis LeVert is starting to trend upward in that uh, in, in in that category. And then you have other guys out here who may be good for a couple of three-point shots every now and then, like Isaac Okoro and Dean Wade, players like that. JQuest says, I just think of that Garland when asked if Niang has a bag. Um, if ever there was a game to solidify that point, uh, I guess tonight would be the game that Niang could point to and say, look, that's my fucking bag. I could do this. I could shoot the basketball. I don't care what y'all say. I might be slow out here. As Patrick Clare says down here, <laughs> he moves in slow motion. Um, he does. He he literally looks like a, a YMCA baller out there. Just a guy who he looks like Adam Sandler. <laughs> he looks like Adam Sandler trying to play basketball out there. Just looks like an everyday, an everyday gel. Just somebody who doesn't typically have the the body that is consistent with the NBA, the typical NBA athlete. But I love it, man, because he's just going out there and proving that uh, that he has more than earned his money. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, just phenomenal game tonight in that regard. And again, it wasn't just Niang who, who was, who was doing big shit out there. It was Isaac Okoro out, out in transition and all the defensive end locking down Damian Lillard. It was Donovan Mitchell having another 30 point game. It was, you know, it, as funny as it is to say, um, it, it was Dean Wade actually given more quality minutes. Right. And I know people have been hating on Dean Wade recently because he just doesn't score a ton of points. But I think Dean's true value lies on the defensive end. And when it comes to his shot, it's going to be hit and miss. And it is heavily reliant upon confidence. But the biggest thing with him is that if he is not a negative out there on the offensive end and he's not killing the offense, uh, well, he's not killing the movement of the ball, which typically he doesn't, um, it's okay. You live with his minutes, and it's not like he plays a ton each night anyways because what the Cavs typically do with him is they will start him. He will be the nominal starter, but he won't receive like a starter's typical complement of minutes. You usually play like in the low 20s, and I think you need guys out there like that when you're talking about uh, you know, not having Evan Mobley. In the absence of Evan Mobley, Dean Wade's um, defense in that front court has been – much needed it's something that that is definitely underappreciated and it's a big reason why the Cavs, as tuna sports says down here have a top five defense love it absolutely love it uh again just a quick side note jared allen finished with his 10th double double in a row 
I just if this man doesn't make the all-star game, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> uh I'll probably be going off on Twitter or something, but I don't know. I love it, man. Um, who else? Who else can we talk about here? Craig Porter Jr. again. Saw the court for 20 minutes. Who knows if he'll see the court again in the next game, but we'll, we'll, I guess we'll just have to address that as we see it. I'm glad that JB actually played him tonight, though. And this, mind you, I was thinking that Karis LeVert was going to end up sitting. Um, but he didn't, right? And when that happened, I'm like, oh, shit. Well, Craig Porter Jr. is probably not going to play now, but he obviously did. And you saw how he kind of steadied things out there. Good things tend to happen when Craig Porter Jr. plays. And uh, couldn't be more impressed with the rookie. And I, I really hope that the Cavs end up converting his contract. Uh, but I think that's all pending what happens around the deadline. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, Man. I'm just at a loss for words. I just, I really do not know what to say other than the fact that this team continues to find ways to impress me. Um, they're getting contributions from players who typically don't show out the way that George showed out tonight. And now the Cavs, I believe this makes their sixth win in a row. And I think that carries them to 24 wins. 24 and 15, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm looking at Bleacher Report right now. That places them in the fourth seed still. Um, you still got Philly up there at 26 and 13. And then obviously Milwaukee, you know, they're they're they drop with tonight's game, um, at least in the loss category. But every game helps. This is a game you absolutely had to take advantage of because of Giannis being out and as long as you capitalize on these ones when they're available to you you'll trend upwards and that's exactly what this Cavaliers team is doing and with the way that they managed to circumvent the absences of Garland and the absence of Evan Mobley I have no reason to believe that that is going to change anytime soon I, I do I am interested to see how all of this is going to play out once those two come back right like how in the hell what, what kind of rotations are we going to see? Who is going to be in? Who's going to be out? How many minutes are certain guys going to play? Um, how is the offense going to look? Is Jared Allen still going to look like an all-star? Is Sam Merrill still going to get enough minutes to, to be a full-time contributor? Is Craig Porter Jr. going to be benched? So many questions. But for tonight, we celebrate George Niang, who went big buck hunting and just absolutely shot the Bucks to death. <laughs> too much uh no i don't think so but that being said i feel like that's a good place to end it i'm deliriously tired after watching that game if you'd like to reach out to me you know how you can it's cavalier underscore pod on twitter tiktok instagram youtube and more if you'd like to be added to the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you know what to do leave a rating leave a review send a screenshot of said review to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com and i will send you an invite that said go Cavs. have a good night